Hi, listeners. Welcome back. We have a lot of exciting things going on recently. Uh, this spring, we've launched a Telegram chat. So if you'd like to join us there and have conversations about episodes, before episodes, after episodes, about topics you want, we are at t.me slash podcast. So PFL podcast is the user you're looking for, or the group that you're looking for on Telegram. Uh, we also have had some really great feedback from listeners, a lot of cool topics and ideas, and we even got a book sent to us from John, a VIP listener, a piffle, if you will, uh, a book that was relevant to a recent episode, so thanks very much, John, for sending that. It made us all very happy. So, join us on Telegram. Remember to ask your friends to subscribe to SoundCloud and share this podcast with everybody you know so that we can, they can join in the fun. Positive Feedback Loop. Three, two, one. Welcome to Positive Feedback Loop, the podcast where we talk about all sorts of interesting topics and from very different points of view. Uh, I'm here, I'm Stephanie, and I'd like to introduce my co-hosts, Luis and Ray. Hello. Welcome, everybody. Over the last few weeks... The three of us have been thinking about and talking about uh, kind of finding your inner calm, uh, how to relax and find quiet, quiet your mind. And so I was looking at the etymology of the word Zen. I feel like a lot of people use the word Zen. It can mean different things, but people tend to use it to mean finding that Zen, finding that, that quiet and that calm and where you feel like life is humming. The etymology of Zen is in the Japanese and Middle Chinese, uh, but it's apparently translated as absorption or a meditative state. And so this idea of absorption is, I think, unexpected for me. Uh, What does that truly mean? And perhaps it means either you can absorb uh, from your environment uh, or that you create an equilibrium by by the absorption of yourself in the environment. Have you guys ever meditated? So do you guys meditate often or have you tried it? I've tried it. Yeah. So I've tried it. I've, I know I try to practice it somewhat frequently, uh, maybe weekly. Um, I try for daily, but that doesn't usually happen. However, I do have that sense of inner peace. Like you're talking about Stephanie where I feel like my body and mind is actually getting absorbed by the rest of my environment. So it makes me feel like I either don't exist anymore or the way that I exist is at peace with the rest of the entire universe. So that does make me feel more um, calm and it helps kind of reset me for the rest of the day or the week or whatever. So it does help me to stay calm keep my mind from running and running and driving through walls and breaking things. And so it does help me because I'm that type of person who's always running around thinking of new things to do. Well, I so, think our listeners don't may not know this about you because we see you and they don't. But I, I love how when you're thinking, you're really excited about something, you're thinking about something, you walk around the room as you think and as you talk because it's almost Walking like away from the mic constantly? No, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I've learned how to stay close to the mic, so thanks to your your feedback, I appreciate that, guys. <laughs> but you're really um, good at uh, you almost show what your mind is doing in your head. You you kind of manifest that physically as the energy of thought. I think it's really cool. Well, I mean, I think that like the true creativism that we come up with, it's because we let go of our filters, right? And a lot of times that meditation actually helps me to um, find the inner filter and get rid of it. It just like let it get absorbed by the rest of the universe. So it's kind of a weird way of saying that uh, meditation helps my creative process. But um, but that's not the only reason I meditate, right? I think meditation is good for many reasons. A lot of people me- meditate in different ways. For example, people pray. Prayer, I believe, is a form of meditation. You are allowing yourself, your body and your mind to unfocus or at least focus on a specific thing um, because meditation can, I think, go both ways. You can either let go of all focus or focus on one specific thing and then it becomes your like mantra. Um, so, yeah, prayer. I mean, I think it's interesting how when you repeat something for many, many times over, if you're saying a prayer and you're just repeating it, repeating it, it becomes second nature you're focusing only on that and then your mind is able to get absorbed away from your environment. I think that would be more like a chant. I think there are yeah, some religions. Yeah, that doesn't sound to me like a particular... No, but a lot of, let's say you're praying the rosary. Yeah. Uh, I believe mm-hmm. rosary feeds... There are like, some the Catholic prayers of... that are memorized yes. and that you can repeat. So if there is something that's repeated like that, I would call it a chant um, where you would, mm. like a Gregorian chant, you know, something that, that is chanted as you meditate on something. So I meditate and I pray, and I see some similarities, but I think they're also very different. But they do have similar outcomes, like that inner peace and that quiet and just kind of settling down and focusing. And And I do believe it results in better solutions, better creativity, innovation. Um, it's not just about feeling good. Uh, meditation, it's funny because, Ray, you said you talked about letting go. And meditation, uh, part of a meditation can be that accepting, acceptance, not the drowning out the thoughts or, or the sounds around you, trying to find the perfectly quiet space, but that you accept the environment you're in and the thoughts that come by, you acknowledge that you're having that thought rather than trying to push it out saying, I need a quiet mind, you know, not forcing it. And that letting go can create a space for very healthy meditation. And I've learned a lot about meditation actually from the Headspace app, which I don't usually promote products, I guess, on this podcast. But the Headspace app is really is really helpful because it has short meditations that you can do daily. Um, it's yeah. interesting. And it's, I've used the same app. It's actually pretty awesome. It's like 10-minute sessions. Mm-hmm. Uh, each one is custom customly guided so each guide has some different like words to it so it's not the same thing every day every day there's a different uh it's the same person but he's guiding you in a different way and there's themes as well so you can go and you know spend two weeks trying to resolve your pain let's say you're having pain somewhere Mm -hmm. you can try to meditate around that topic or around anxiety so anxiety and anger and like all the different problems or issues or just emotions you might have and meditating around those things. It's very helpful. I mean, personally, I've mostly only meditated a handful of times in my life uh, for a little bit. 
I meditated in a class because I, I took a Tai Chi class once and they made us meditate before the class would start. Um, a lot of time I would find myself dozing off, but it was fine. I, it, it, I think for Tai Chi was a little bit better just because it's kind of like movement while you're also deeply relaxed, which I enjoyed a little bit more because I don't, if I'm tired, I don't fall asleep. But I've never been a particularly meditative guy. I like to, I'd like to be introspective and to really take a moment to break down things. But I don't do that in the format of meditation. Like, I will take time and I will just think about a thing. But not what I consider meditation. I'm just breaking it down, trying to analyze why is it like this? Why, why is my reaction this? What could I do in the future to either implement that in my life or avoid that? Uh, and I, I mean, this goes for everything, a lot of things that are personal, but also just breaking, trying to really analyze why a movie was in, impacted me in a certain way and like trying to go through it as a step-by-step process so that I can say, like, if I ever wanted to make something, what would I want it to look like? Why, how would I want to draw the, the same emotion? And that's kind of where I come from. But I, so I don't have the same experience with meditation. And unfortunately, uh, I cannot offer listeners a great discount on the Headspace app. <laughs> you've mentioned <laughs> that you have, you've gone on walks to think. What do you do when you, like, what do you think about usually when you're going on a walk? Oftentimes, you're right, Steph, oftentimes when I leave work, I like to walk home, and this gives me a good chance to kind of internalize things that have happened during that day, or issues I may have had, or honestly, one of the best exercises I find when I do that, and I've mentioned this a couple of times with the podcast for uh, Pitfalls who've been around for a while, I like to take that chance to, to see things along my route, and either think about why they are the way they are, or also think about the entire supply chain that comes to make that thing better. So I'll pass a building and I'll think about all the different parts of humanity that have to go into making that building exist or the parts of that building function, including anything from tables to chairs to uh, the board, the electronic board inside the classroom. Uh, And I don't know, it's, it's, it's a great opportunity for me to not be able to do something else because when you're walking, it's a lot more difficult to be doing three different things at once, uh, at least without you know, getting run over. So I like to take that chance to not be on my phone constantly and just kind of just be in the moment a little bit more because the distractions of the day-to-day are pretty uh, everywhere. And all the other times, uh, you're you're just listening to our podcast, right? Walking down. Uh, I am listening to <laughs> podcasts or music, but oftentimes I, I just listen to, I'm not actively listening to most things. I'm, even when I'm on the, on those walks, I do have something that's playing but I usually have tuned it out. Uh, it's just so I'm not listening to car noises. The etymology for English med- word meditation is derived from the Latin word meditatio. The base root of that is to measure. And if you think of like me- meat to meet something or to me- a metric, measure, mead. You know, usually if you want to measure a room, you just kind of pace the room. You go, okay, my foot is about a foot long. I'm going to measure this room really quick, rough rough measurement and then you've got the pacing you get kind of that i mean people when they meditate they either sit still or they do something very rote very menial that does not require thought that their fingers have learned 
so that they can think. And I, a lot of people meditate when they wash dishes, when they go for walks, which is what Fidget, does. Fidget spinners are another way yeah. of meditation for some people. I guess not a way you know, to meditate, but it's a facilitator for meditation that you true. make your fingers busy so that you can do something else. And I, me I meditate a lot when I'm playing piano because I, when I play pieces, my fingers kind of know what to do. And reading music isn't a task or a chore for me. It's, it's almost second nature. So as I'm playing piano pieces, I think very deeply about other things. Even running, running can be meditative. If mm -hmm. you have long distance runners who, you know, can feel euphoria while they're running. So that brings them to a, you know, a calming state. Actually, I just remembered when I was in Thailand, we were visiting the different temples there. And I decided, okay, well, how often do I get a, the chance to be in Thailand, in Bangkok? Um, so I went into a temple. I sat down inside the temple, about 10 or 15 minutes, I just meditated and I said, I'm going to remember this moment for the rest of my life. And I still remember the feeling I have. I, I felt like I was sitting down, but actually I was in like this three-dimensional three -dimensional space of nothingness because my eyes were closed. So I was just sitting in the center of a universe, floating, and I remember just feeling that for a few minutes and it I still remember the feeling it's quite powerful um, it's not an easy thing to do meditation is not something that you could just like start and it is a practice meaning that you do need to do it sort of consistently to really reap any value from it otherwise it's just you're not going to get the full benefits uh, in my opinion that's very you know, true it's, that it's easy to say practice. that it's hard to accomplish right yeah it's interesting that um, a lot of the things that you've described as ways to reach meditation are some activity in some way. And then you contrast that with meditating in a in a situated, quiet setting where you're trying to just be at peace. It wasn't but, even quiet where I was. The temple had people, tourists walking around. I, I let it all be part of, like, out of my space. I closed the pathways from my ears to my brain. I, I don't even remember how it sounded. All I remember was like being in this black three-dimensional space where nothing was around me. Well, that's actually, so the reason I was bringing that up is because I think it's, it's interesting how I think we do need a minimum level of distraction somewhere or at least a minimum level of noise and otherness uh, compared uh, to really be able to meditate and to let go. Mm, and yeah, what like I mean by that. Not a vacuum of total Yes, yeah, not a complete vacuum. Like there are, there, there are extremely, extremely like aggressively quiet rooms. There's one that's like the Guinness world book record holder for the quietest room in the world. And it's like a place in South Minneapolis. Uh, and it's 99.9% .9 sound absorbing. And usually people, it's stated as a challenge to stay in there because it drives people crazy to be so unbearably quiet. And although I've never been in that room, I have been in places that are too quiet. I remember being on a ski trip when I was in high school and we were so far out in the mountains and so isolated. I remember that I could hear my own heartbeat which like it, it wow. made it almost impossible for me to fall asleep. I had a hard time falling asleep that day just because 
it's so distracting to be able to hear your own sounds. So that's really funny and, that you say that. Uh, oh, sorry. I, I, I've actually had that experience. I used to live in Boston. We all went to school together there, obviously. And I lived, I, well, I lived in Cambridge specifically. And we had an apartment that was uh, pretty close to Mass Ave, which if you've lived in Boston, you know, is a very busy street. And as I would fall asleep, there would be people yelling, there would be sirens going off, there would be people honking horns, like, till four in the morning. I mean, all night long, this happens on Mass Ave. And so I got used to those sounds, and then I moved to California, and I'm in the middle of a lot of acreage and a lot of trees, and I actually could hear my heartbeat every time I went to sleep. And at first, I thought I had a heart problem, <laughs> because I was like, my heart is so loud. <laughs> I thought like something must be wrong here and it was that it's so quiet at night as long as the coyotes aren't (laughs) shouting at me but it's so quiet at night that I can hear my heart and so there's something about maybe we we don't actually ever experience perfect silence because our own bodies are a machine that is still running even in the midst of silence yeah, and it's just used to its own noise, so it you don't hear it. I have two things to say. One is, have you guys ever tried being inside a sensory deprivation tank? So basically, it's this isolation chamber where you sit inside um, this liquid bath covering yourself, and it's filled with salt water, temperature regulated too, so it's warm, and... Or rather, is it cold? I'm not sure which one. I'm pretty sure you could do. It's room. Today. It's like it's like mild, a little bit higher than room temperature. I think. Yeah, it's, I think it's, just, it's, it's like it's not room temperature. It's like supposed to be. I think at body temperature. Well, because you're not yes. supposed to feel anything. Yes, right. you're not like supposed feel to feel anything. Cold yeah. or warm. Right. You're supposed to feel completely neutral. Exactly. Talk about absorption, right? You could feel your ah. body being absorbed by the environment. It's soundproof. It's light proof. I haven't tried one of these. I definitely want to try. I've heard lots of things about. You know, out-of-body experiences. I've heard people trying different types of drugs on it as well, which is uh, interesting. That's the one thing I wanted to say. The second thing about the heartbeat. Now, that's a very, very interesting topic because if you think about how Buddhists chant and how they use the drumbeat and how they hum, it's always to the tune of the heartbeat, actually. And I think that what they're trying to do and what they're doing is they're syncing up their chanting and humming to the beat of their hearts, the beat of what they would probably say of the universe. Cause you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the only thing that exists while you're in a meditative state in your mind. I, that's... I don't know if that's true for all Buddhist chanting or humming, but I'm sure that some people do that. One of my favorite movies is Baraka, and in that movie, there's actually a scene called the monkey chant, and there are all of these men sitting in maybe like a semicircle of sorts, are kind of facing each other at one end, and they move while they chant, and when you when the camera pans out a little bit, they look like this organism that just has like little hairs that are just kind of pulsing in the same direction. And it's very mesmerizing because they're chanting like one word or over and over and their bodies are moving together. And it's just, yeah, it's almost like there's a rhythm to the universe when they do that. 
you just reminded me that there's a whole slew of uh, YouTube content out there of quote unquote oddly satisfying videos, which are just people doing things that should not be satisfactory, but also but technically sh- make you feel good for no reason, like someone squeezing a ball uh, like a really gel gelatinous ball or something like that. I don't know. I'm just coming up with examples right now, but I, I Ray put some on for us a while back. And I remember being very confused that this is a thing that someone compiled. And also, how do they identify all of these things that were oddly satisfying? Like, this you have actually, to have gone out of your way. This is actually a huge trend on, on Instagram. So this has been going on for a few years now on YouTube, and it made its way to Instagram. And it's people will ice cakes very slowly, yeah. or they will fill a water balloon with flour and then slice through it or they'll do very sensory things. There's actually a, I don't want to say a condition, but there's this something that people have. Um, Not synesthesia. Synesthesia is when you like see a color and you hear a sound, like you associate two different senses together. But basically some people, if you whisper and you talk very quiet. Oh, ASMR. They get, yeah, yeah. They get that ASMR, sense, yeah, that like tingly, like amazing feeling when, yeah, when things are happening. Whereas some people, they just don't get that. They're like, okay, they're icing a cake. I don't get, I don't get the pleasure of it. But if you, but there are a lot of videos on Instagram where someone will just play with silly putty or they'll slice a cake or they'll do something that's just very sensory and it just makes people tingle because it's so fulfilling. For those of you who don't know what ASMR is, it stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. And basically, it's a—it's when people make videos or sound logs or vlogs or whatever you want to have it be, uh, which is just them whispering into a camera or into a microphone about basically anything. And it just has to be a really relaxing, calming sound, often involving a lot of lip smacking, but... Not necessarily. Could be a pencil and scratching on paper. Yeah, yeah, or... yeah. Maybe just we should have our whole her episode on this. No, I think I think our listeners will fall asleep, and since many listeners do drive, I don't want to run that risk. <laughs> yeah. But yes, a lot of people do actually enjoy ASMR, and it's been a huge trend on YouTube for years now. Um, not one I've particularly ever had any interest in, but I am aware that a lot of people really enjoy it. Well, there's something calming about just even letting the voice drop. Um, it, a lot of people say that if you want peace in your home, just kind of have, don't yell at each other, even talk loudly, don't shout across the house, but to talk in a calm voice with each other will already create that atmosphere. So in the Mormon faith, there are meeting houses where you go to church on Sundays and you do all these activities during the week. But there are also temples where you go to be instructed, and they're very holy places, and nobody talks above a whisper in the temple, so that there's not a lot of sound, and it can be very peaceful. And so if you have something to say to someone, you go right up to them to whisper to them, not whisper, but very low, quiet voice, talk to them. And it creates a calming sense. We started talking about meditation but we've gotten kind of into what just calms people, what calms the senses. I mean, at the very beginning, Ray, you mentioned prayer. And prayer, I see as totally different. I I see a Venn diagram of prayer and meditation. Um, Prayer is very much letting go 
and communing with the divine and finding peace and settling down and quieting the mind. Prayer is also uh, kind of a, it's, it's hard work as well. Like it's thinking through and kind of invoking the power of the divine in your life. I was reading through, so there's this dictionary in the, in the back of, a, of the Bible. Prayer, uh, the definition, I'll read an excerpt. It's really interesting. It says, quote, as soon as we learn the true relationship in which we stand toward God, namely God is our father and we are his children, then at once prayer becomes natural and instinctive on our part. Many of the so-called difficulties about prayer arise from forgetting this relationship. Prayer is the act by which the will of the father and the will of the child are brought into correspondence with each other. The object of prayer is not to change the will of God, but to secure for ourselves and for others blessing that God is already willing to grant, but that are made conditional on our asking for them. Now that, I think, is remarkable in the way it's worded, uh, because it's basically, prayer is not kind of like a laundry list that we write some people pray for things like as if it's a laundry list like I'm writing out my shopping list so God can go to the grocery store and get it for me you know and he yeah heard, God get off your get off the <laughs> chair and go get me right. some milk <laughs> right like please tell, give me this and this and this and this and this but rather prayer is this I need more trash bags God yeah. let's go but it's more of an instinctive uh I, there's a hymn that says prayer is the Christian's vital breath so the idea that prayer is not like this thing that you do, that you go like, go over there and do this thing, this separate thing. You're always in communion. The vital breath part, I think yeah. a key part of meditation is breathing. It's essential. You can't meditate without proper breathing, without, uh, you know, yeah. focusing on your breath and making sure that you're, you know, breathing in deeply, breathing out deeply slowly not speeding it up um, calmly and then eventually you start to be able to only focus on your breath and that becomes the only thing that you are focused on and it becomes almost second nature y your breath becomes just the only thing that you can think about and the only thing that exists and then you become absorbed by the environment as you say wow so we have a lot to talk about, and this has been super interesting so far. We'd love to take a break, and after this break, we'll come back and we'll continue talking about this calming nature, maybe even a little more about meditation and prayer. So talk to you soon. Having a rough day? Are the kids running crazy around the house? Well... If you need some peace in your home, why not get a piece of home? Um. Start yeah, over be... with explaining what you want us to do.
So right now, if you if we all did a chant or not chant, just an ohm, and if we stay with it for as long as we can, eventually towards the end we'll be able to our breath will be short. So we'll ohm to the beat of our heart, so we can feel it. It'll sound like ohm, mm, mm, mm. So let's cool. give let's it a try shot. It. Okay. Yeah, ohm to the stop. rhythm of your heart. Don't stop till you pass out. All right. Ready? All right. Go. Um... question I had for you. If prayer is a form of meditation, why do some denominations of, of, of a lot of types of uh, religions include singing as part of their, or singing or chanting in groups as part of their prayer? You know, I was just thinking about singing because before the break, Ray was talking about breath, and we did just hold out our, we tried an ohm together going until you don't have any breath is actually an exercise I did when I was in choir at Harvard. So I sang in one of the Harvard choirs, Radcliffe Choral Society, shout out. And something you would do to kind of exercise that breathing is you would breathe out as all the, breathe out all the air in your lungs as far as you could go. And when you think you've gotten rid of all the air, you then make a K sound, a K a really sharp, which pushes the very last drop of air out of your lungs so that you can then fill your lungs with completely fresh air because we never fully exhale. When we exhale and inhale, there's always a residual of air. And what's interesting about that is it takes a lot of focus and a lot of discipline, and meditation really is that. In fact, singing itself, like you mentioned, Luis, why do people sing? Um, as part of prayer or meditation why is singing like kind of the make it the trifecta you know (laughs) of calm and there's something about singing that especially as a group that puts everyone on the same uh, rhythm that everybody is in unison with each other on the same note with the same rhythm Uh, when you sing it can tend to even affect your heartbeat to slow it or speed it up depending on what you're singing so everyone can start to even beat at the same depending on how they're singing so singing is something physical that affects your breath and your mentality so deeply that it is a form of meditation and that's why a lot of churches involve singing singing is actually considered a form of prayer it is a a song, uh, a hymn to the Lord is is a prayer. One of the interesting, well, you mentioned two things I wanted to bring up. One, we kind of suck at breathing. Not not to human mis- beings, me you as, mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or human the three beings, of us. <laughs> we kind of suck at breathing. Not breathing, but breathing. We're, we're kind of bad at it because I remember when I was learning in uh, in chorus back in the old days when I used to uh, sing. Uh, one of the things that we had to do, we had to do the similar exercise to you, to you, Steph. And the other one was that we would breathe, uh, that we had to realize that we were breathing into our stomachs. Like one of the things that you do 
when you are trying to learn how to sing and make sure that you can build up the enough air air power so that you can actually like maintain a note. Right. Is learning to really properly fill up your lungs and not waste the air going into like pushing it down into your gut, uh, which is something that we just do because we don't really pay attention. Uh, and similarly, the other thing you mentioned that I thought was interesting is, yeah, in groups, you uh, singing in groups has a lot of benefits. Singing in groups has benefits that extend to everyone in the group. For one, you have an instant way of creating community, right? Everyone's part of this. Everyone has a part. Everyone does their part. And together, you make something that's greater than the sum of, the, of the, your parts. Mm-hmm. Even if someone's not a great singer, when you have a whole bunch of people in a chorus, usually it tends to sound pretty okay, so long as you're keeping with everyone else. Additionally, there's also that like vibration, that resonance that can kind of build when a chorus really hits a good note uh, can be really mystifying. And it's also... When you're throwing yourself into your singing, you're not really thinking about all the other stuff that's going on in life. You're really just too fo- too focused on the music itself, at least if you're trying to do it right. So I think it makes sense that it would be a form of prayer for a lot of religions and denominations of religions. Well, and if you're truly in unison on a note, you're all at the same pitch and volume, and you're perfectly on that note together there is this uh, octave note or a higher note that you can hear that magically starts to ring above those notes by itself that no one's singing. And it's a really magical thing. You know you've reached true unison when that happens, when you hear that at note above your note. What I find very unifying about singing is if you're in a group and you're discussing something, one person has to talk at a time. If you're all talking at the same time, you just got a bunch of chatter and nobody can understand anything. But when you're singing together, you're all basically speaking at the same time. You all have an equal voice. No one should stick out. So you're all singing and being heard equally, which is a very magical form of of unison where you're not just together and you th- and you're thinking together and you're working toward a common purpose, even as diverse as you are, no matter how diverse and how differently you think and how much you disagree, which is a good thing, that diversity is is wonderful for creativity. Being unified in that diversity, having one voice and one purpose together is amazing. That sort of unity is what a person tries to achieve in meditation. Meditation can also be solitary, but it's unity either with the divine, meaning you're still trying to create unity with yourself and a, another being that is completely different from you and trying to create that, that harmony. Or it's with yourself. A lot of us have those times when we don't accept ourselves or we have problems with ourselves or we're not listening to our own bodies. And, and so we're out of harmony with our own selves. Our mind is out of sync with the body and the mind is pushing the body too far or the body's not giving room for the mind or whatever it is. And so you even need to create unity within yourself to be a whole unified being. And that's one of the purposes of meditation. Although I'm not a uh, religious person myself and I don't find prayer to be a tool that I use in my life. 
I recognize that it, it can be helpful for a lot of people. And even if I don't agree with what the ultimate goal of it is, having something that allows you to kind of center yourself that you have to do, at least that you are instructed to do regularly, clearly has benefits. Or at least maybe not clearly, but it seems to me to have benefits. And much of what we talked to the, about today kind of reflects that. Whether uh, you want to go out and start praying on the streets or join a chorus or go hog wild and run through the, through the streets while trying to figure out the, the beginnings of where that park bench you passed three blocks back is from at the same time as you're trying to like hum something. <laughs> Don't do that because uh, that's not really going to be effective. But whatever method you find ultimately is the right method. Right, because you have to. It, meditation is something that has to be right for you. I don't think that it's one of those things that, however many ways people can tell you to do it, I think ultimately it just has to work for you. And some people have very different ways of approaching uh, the issue of calming down and not being mentally active. Right, and there's like way. you like you're saying, there's many ways to do it, and there are lots of studies behind meditation. So it's not like this hasn't been. Uh, yeah, there's definitely researched meditation. Yeah, uh, it can help to reduce pain if you, you know, it, it's been shown to reduce high blood pressure, uh, anxiety, anxiety, depression, yeah. insomnia, especially. Um, and I know what's an interesting form of meditation that I heard one guy in an airplane tell me once. He eats chili peppers to the point where he comes into this meditative state and he just meditates under really, like, after he's eaten many hot Red Isn't it just being in like a fugue state, like just being <laughs> like, so physiologically impaired, like the same way that a runner's high kind of works, right? Like right. it's when your body's so out of it because it can't go any further and you keep pushing it and then it just goes like, all right, we give up. Here's something. Right. Maybe. It like releases natural um, That, you that know, actually is endorphins. kind of interesting. Um, there's a show on and. You know, we've, today's episode has been advertising for other shows. The show, uh, there's a there's a show on YouTube uh, under the label of Hot Ones, which is um, they ask they bring on guests, and this is actually pretty big now. They bring on guests and they have them eat really really spicy food, just extremely hot uh, wings. I bet you none of them are meditating though. Well, actually, they're not meditating while they're doing it, but a lot of times towards the very end, the people that these are like famous people, uh, the the guests kind of go into this like weird state where they're no they're like dissociated from what's happening. Right. They have poor control over what they're saying. Like they can be more creative. They're much more honest, and it's actually a really interesting premise for a show because you break people down throughout the episode and then at the end they get 30 seconds to give a pitch so good good for you <laughs> I, yeah i find it amazing funny. how that i find it amazing how this planet has created things like that peppers and just i mean that's a little side topic but there's so many things plants animals in the world that are unique in their own way that offer so many potential use cases for us human beings or for other species. It's just really interesting. What's spicy for you may be poisonous to another species. Same way, you know, some sweets for us could be deadly for dogs, etc. You know, that sort of thing. Ray, when you're talking about, you know, the, 
the beauty of the, and the bounty of this earth, like all of the interesting, beautiful plants and animals and the uses they have. I was thinking of a few years ago when I decided I would try to follow the steps of the Japanese tea ceremony. And I adapted it a lot because I don't drink tea. Um, but I got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. So I, I adapted it, you know, with hot water infusion, you know, herbs and, but I thought it was such an interesting experience. I actually blogged about it. So basically a Japanese tea ceremony is usually done with like a, a Japanese tea house where there's a special room or house specifically for the ceremony. And it's not just about drinking some tea. You know, a lot of people say, I want to calm down. I'm going to have some tea, but they just drink it maybe and kind of sit by the fire and think, but it is very meditative and it's actually, it is hard work. It takes a lot of steps to get to the point where you're finally at a state of, of true calm, you know, Zen, that Zen at the at the end. And so many of the steps I did, I'm, I'm totally paraphrasing now of the steps, but basically you know, you pour the tea mindfully and then you hold the cup and you don't drink it at this point. You just hold it and you, you kind of smell it and, and mm, take in its sense, right? Yeah. That idea that you just kind of give your nose and then you set it down and you go outside the tea house. In this case, I went outside my apartment and sat on the front steps and felt the sat there until I could feel the breeze and hear the sounds that I normally would, would tune out and not think of, you know, you'd, you'd listen to the car cars going by, you'd listen to people talking, but I finally felt the breeze blowing on, on my knees. I could, I could feel it. And, and it was very soft breeze. And then I could start hearing the birds chirping and where they were in the trees. And it was just like this sense opened up that had been closed and then I go back in and you take it and you hold it again. And this time you, you know, you, you sip a little bit and you feel the sensation of it actually going down your throat. So many times we eat food and we don't get the sensation of the food. We just kind of like pile it in our mouths and swallow and good, I'm fed. But it was the whole sensory experience of putting it in your mouth and, and feeling the heat and feeling it go down. So it's just very mindful. Isn't that the key though? Slowing down is the key. I think slowing down and breaking things down and really just experiencing them and focusing on that experience, I think it's kind of, at least to me, that's what I interpret as the benefit of, or rather how you properly meditate. That's at least to me how I would do it. And that's not something that everyone, everyone can do it their own way. And mm -hmm. sitting in a room uh, with no sound on, just being in your own space, that's totally fine. Uh, but I I like to th think a lot, and I don't really feel like I need to set time aside to be passive while I'm doing that. I like to f externalize that and really analyze other things. And by, I do that by slowing down and really just focusing on the experience of whether it's food, a movie, a show, a, a walk, even the, your own breathing, like that sort of thing. I, to me, that's what meditation does or what, where it comes from. Any, everything else to me is just trappings. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that if you are meditating on a consistent basis, you create that 
routine. And I think part of that routine helps you, you know, be organized or efficient with the rest of your day. It honestly does have this resetting feature to it, at least in my experience. And the other part of it, a lot of that has a lot to do with this is while you're meditating, you're also feeling grateful. Everything becomes less important. All the stress in your life, all the issues that you might be dealing or the people that are pressuring you for, um, you know, things at work or maybe things in your um, personal life that might be causing stress. It becomes insignificant, honestly, because you become so detached from all these material things and very, you know, short sightedness of daily life. You, you, I, the, I guess what you do, Luis, it seems to me, is you distract yourself from those daily life stressors by focusing on other things like the supply chain of a park bench and how that works. It's not a distraction. I, I, don't, I don't consider it a distraction because I'm not ignoring everything else in that sense. It's more I am. Well, you're not thinking about it at the time. I'm not saying like you're, just you're ignoring it. Yes, I'm letting go. Um, because it's very easy to let your mind occupy 20 spaces and not really enjoy any one of them. It's very easy to let your mind occupy 20 spaces and not really be in any one of them, not really enjoy any one of them or really fully grasp what they mean. The same way that when you look at a room, you only really capture the stuff that's in the very center of your vision at any one time. Like you're not really capturing the full room. You're only capturing the things that stand out to you as important and there are so many other stories that exist in that room most of the time that you're missing completely because you're not paying attention to them. And it's only when you stop, watch, walk around, look at them, kind of like analyze them properly, and then start thinking about where the things come from, that you really start getting those stories the same way that there are 7 billion humans on the planet. And we're so focused on our small, little, tiny part of it that we forget that 7 billion humans on the planet – seven billion lives that are all have their own stories. And those stories are complex as all heck. They have all the same or more or different stressors, but they all exist. They all have stressors. They all have the same worries in some way or another, even if they are adapted differently or they could be heightened or less heightened. But ultimately that is a lot of stuff going on. Sure. And it's hard to really grasp that when you think seven billion it's, so that's why we. it's good to take a moment and just focus on the one. Focus on the small things so that then you can start extracting. Well, you're, you're not even focusing on the one. You're, you're not focusing on anything. You're actually letting go of the one as well. And you become part of the 7 mil- billion. Actually, it's 7.6 billion. I just had to do a Google check. You know me. but So 7.6 billion to be precise. But I see what you're saying. We tend to focus on ourselves and our close surroundings all the time in our daily life. Meditation is a tool. Prayer is a is another way of becoming or getting absorbed by the rest of the world, the population and the rest of your environment and not just focusing on your little situation of your little life. And just becoming more mindful. There's a talk that I think uh, sums that idea up very well. And it re- I was reminded of this talk because Luis was saying when you're looking at the big picture of the 7 billion people, you kind of get a better sense of your place. There's a talk called Of Things That Matter Most, and it's by 
a former Lufthansa pilot named Dieter F. Uchtdorf. And he says, have you ever been in an, on an airplane and experienced turbulence? Uh, the most common cause of turbulence is the sudden change in air movement causing the aircraft to pitch, yaw, and roll. And while planes are built to withstand far greater turbulence than anything you'd encounter on a regular flight, it still worries passengers. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but here's the direct quote. He says, What do you suppose pilots do when they encounter turbulence? A student pilot may think that increasing speed is a good strategy because it will get them through the turbulence faster. But that may be the wrong thing to do. Professional pilots understand that there is an optimum turbulence penetration speed that will minimize the negative effects of turbulence. And most of the time, that would mean to reduce your speed. The same principle applies to also to speed bumps on a road. Therefore, it is good advice, he says, to slow down a little, steady the course, and focus on the essentials when experiencing adverse conditions. My advice as we wrap this up is to slow down the point of prayer or meditation or taking a walk to think or focusing and analyzing on something is that we slow it down and we give ourselves space. I think we've had a really cool discussion that's helped us hear each other's perspectives on how to slow it down and to get that perspective. So thank you again, dear Piffles, for listening to another episode of Positive Feedback Loop. We really enjoy every episode and the ideas and thoughts that come out of every episode. Uh, remember to share these episodes with your friends and to follow us on Twitter at The PFL Podcast. We're also on Facebook. And remember that we're on Telegram and everyone has an equal voice there. You can chat and hear about upcoming episodes and share some links and resources that you have that are relevant to what you've been listening to. So thank you again for joining us. And as always, stay crazy. crazy.